I find myself thanking God pretty much every day for individuals that can lead us in worship like that. What, what a gift they are to our campus, what a gift they are to our church. So thank you. You guys are awesome. Tonight, I want to talk with y'all a bit about pregnancy. Um, but before I get there, I'd like to get something off my chest first. Maybe you've caught on to this, but our world seems to have an extreme lust for the new. Not agree? There's this relentless pursuit of innovation. Innovation which has cured the uncurable, discovered the unknown and realized the unimaginable. Just this past Sunday, I was able to watch the Cleveland Browns on this very laptop lose, 2,000 miles away from home. Thank be to God for innovation. Yet it hit me the other day that when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I shouldn't so much thirst after the new as I should thirst after the good. And man, I need to be reminded of the good time and time again. Because unfortunately, I keep forgetting it. So for my sake and perhaps for your sake as well, here's a reminder of the good. In the beginning, God created, and it was good. It was very good, actually. In the midst of the created order, humanity and nature alike flourished. There was life, and there was life abundant. However, humanity soon fell into the all-too-appealing temptation to make themselves God. This resulted in a world full of idolatry and injustice, Diminishing all signs of flourishing. Self-glorifying power and exploitation of others reigned supreme. Creation had no hope of their own. They had nowhere to go. They had no one to turn to, for they were their own God. And it was precisely at that moment, and in this very world, that God took on flesh in Jesus Christ. Jesus, fully human and fully God, taught us once and for all how to love God and love others, and therefore to flourish as human beings. For to flourish is to live as God intended us to live. To have the freedom, to have the capacity to love God and love others above ourselves. Jesus lived his life surrendering it to those around him. He brought hope to the desperate, joy to the sorrowful, and peace to the overwhelmed. Jesus engaged with the marginalized until they were no longer on the margins. Jesus touched lepers. He washed the feet of his friends. Jesus wept. He partied. Jesus critiqued and was criticized. Jesus learned from others, and Jesus taught others. Jesus experienced temptation. Jesus felt betrayal, loneliness. Jesus felt depression. Jesus felt the same things we feel today. 
yet Jesus was also handed over to the most corrupt evil the Roman Empire could offer. Jesus was crucified. He was nailed to a cross, and Jesus died. But on that third day, in his divinity, Jesus rose victorious. And today, you and I, we, have the opportunity to participate in that victory. The victory of flourishing over exploitation. The victory of good over evil. The victory of life over death. That is the good, good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus, our Lord. My question for us today is, what about when we don't feel it? What about when we don't feel the victory over depression? What about when all we feel is alone and we don't feel the presence of God? What about when we feel like we're just going through the motions, spinning and spinning with no progress in sight? What happens then? Is Jesus no longer Lord because I don't feel it? This is a question I've wrestled with for years. And to be honest, I'm not quite sure what to do with feelings. And to be real, I don't know if anyone really knows what to do with them. For example, have you ever had the feels for someone? Come on, you know. That, that moment where you see that human walking down the hello walk with the sun radiating off their face as if they're God's angel sent down just for you. Your heart skips a beat. You can't seem to find the words to communicate that you really are a human. After the awkward encounter, you run to your friends and you say, man, I'm in love. Now, perhaps I'm being a bit dramatic, but come on, y'all know. The feels, right? You know it. That moment I saw Annie Veld back at Hope College when I picked her up on our first date. She had that orange sundress with the white bow in her hair, the blonde hair and the tan skin looking so good. My heart sunk. It literally skipped a beat. Man, the feels had come on strong. You know what I was thinking to myself? I'm in love! <laughs> now the thing is, I really wasn't in love. Feelings can play weird tricks on us at times. And that experience forces me to wonder that if I could feel something so tangibly that in reality wasn't there, perhaps I can also fail to feel something that really is there. I think Paul might have a word for us today from his first century letter to the Romans when he wrote the following. He said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I'm under the conviction that God has given me a word, perhaps an image, that illustrates this passage quite well. And I'm under the conviction that God gave it to me because when I say the word, you're going to realize that a 25-year-old single dude would not be thinking of this on his own. <laughs> and maybe you've guessed it, that word is pregnancy. Oh, I, I fully realize this is odd. This is me being vulnerable. But I often find myself wondering, what is pregnancy actually like? Now, I'm not so foolish as to say I wish I could experience pregnancy. But I must admit, I think of it more often than I imagine is normal. But here's why. I wonder if the image of pregnancy is actually an incredibly accurate representation of what the Christian life is actually like. Hear me out. The pregnant mother has a promise of new life, a promise presently coming to fruition inside her womb. But how often do you imagine the mother actually feels the growth of the baby? Certainly, the mother feels the growing pains. She feels the areas of growth which hurt most. The legs lengthening and pressing up against the uterine wall or the head getting larger and larger. I'm sure she feels that. But I wonder if she feels the development of the lungs or the liver. I wonder if she feels the fingernails developing or the cilia inside the inner ear of the baby. Do you think she feels the intricate development of the brain? It seems that the majority of new life developing within her is unfelt. I think the majority of what the mother feels is pain, frustration, and lack of control. Three things I would use to define the Christian life. You see, the Christian walks this earth with the promise of new life. But more often than not, we're overwhelmed with pain, frustration, lack of control. Yet, in the midst of the pain, the mother is reminded of the promise by a heartbeat or a prenatal kick. It's a glorious reminder of the new life coming to fruition inside of her. But the majority of the time, she doesn't feel that heartbeat or that prenatal kick. She feels pain, frustration, and lack of control. You see, new life often develops unfelt. 
There are some of us here tonight who have a desire to grow in their faith, to confidently and unashamedly proclaim Jesus as Lord. Some of us have been actively doing that for years. Some of us are still just taking that first step to figure out who the heck this Jesus dude even is. Wherever you land in that spectrum, I'm willing to bet that all of us fail to feel the presence of God more often than not. Maybe you've even been told that because you don't feel full of joy, hope, and peace all the time, that you're doing something wrong. Please listen to this. Our lack of feeling the presence of God all the time does not necessarily mean we're doing something wrong. For Paul, Paul the Apostle even said, For we know that all of creation has been groaning with labor pains until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves. Paul experienced the labor pains. Paul was engulfed in pain, frustration, and lack of control. But Paul went on to say, For in hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what they seem? May I be so bold as to add, who hopes in what is felt? Now, I'm not, I'm not bashing feelings. Hear me out. I'm not saying feelings are inherently bad or good. I'm, they're a part of life. I am under the conviction that feelings are a gift from God that point us in certain directions in life. They're one of the more intimate ways that I can learn more about myself and others. Feelings are a natural part of life. But like I said, they're a bit more tricky than I often imagine. I don't necessarily know what to do with them all the time. But there is one thing that I've learned about feelings in my life. Feelings are not meant to be the source of my confidence, especially when it comes to faith. Confidence in Christ does not depend on how I feel at a given moment. My confidence in Christ is solely based on the promises of God. The unchanging, never-failing, trustworthy, transforming promises of God. So how are we called to live in the midst of the pain, the frustration, and the lack of control? What does pregnant faith look like? First off, I think we really need to know God's promises. If our confidence in Christ is not based on how we feel, but on the promises of God, then we better know what the promises of God are. And that takes time in God's word. Christians don't read the Bible because it's the legalistic, churchy thing to do, or it looks good next to your latte on Instagram. Christians read the Bible because it is there where we learn about God, the one who created us, redeemed us, and is calling us to participate in his good work in the world here and now. Christians read the Bible because it is there where we learn about ourselves. It's where I learn who I am, where I belong, and what my purpose is in this world, because the world sure as heck isn't going to tell me. How are we supposed to do this whole Jesus thing if we don't know who God is 
and what story we're in. We respond in pregnant faith by spending time in the Word of God. And in so doing, discovering that we, you and I, all of us in this room and everyone out there, has a role to play right here, right now, regardless of our messy past. Secondly, I think we need to live in eager expectation of new life. The mother doesn't wait until the baby is born until she starts acting like a mother. She doesn't wait until the fulfillment of the promise until she starts living in accordance with the promise. She nurtures the new life while it's still developing in her womb. She begins to childproof her home. She reads books about pregnancy and being a mother. She reaches out to other mothers who can mentor her. She doesn't wait for the fulfillment of the promise before she starts living in accordance with the promise. She begins to live like a mother because she is in full anticipation of becoming a mother. As we spend time in God's word, getting to know God and the story and his promises, we ought to live in expectation of transformation because new life is what God promises. We don't merely read the Bible to know more. We read the Bible to become more. Lastly, we ought to live in orientation toward others. For Paul writes, creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. Our world desperately longs for God's people to live as God's people, to live as if Jesus really is Lord, to embrace our freedom in Christ to live for others and for God above ourselves. America today is encapsulated in self-centeredness, the desire to make me God. Yet this self-centeredness is what corrupted the world way back when. Self-centeredness is what led to the fall of Adam and Eve. They said, oh, no, we don't need God to be God. We can be God. So perhaps it's not surprising that creation longs for God's people to be revealed because God's people live for something so much larger than themselves, exactly what our world is in desperate need of. The pregnant mother lives for something much, much larger than herself. The Christian in the midst of the pain, the frustration, and the lack of control is called to do the same. Because that's what pregnant faith looks like. Because Jesus is Lord, even when we don't feel it. To join me in prayer. Lord, would you make us instruments of your peace? Where there is hatred, let us bring love. Where there is hurt, let us bring healing. Where there is doubt, let us bring faith. 
where there is despair, let us leave hope. Where there is darkness, let us shine your light. Where there is sadness, let us radiate your joy. Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be comforted as to comfort others. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For we know that it is in giving that we receive. It is in forgiving that we are forgiven. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. So what do we do with all that? Something we value here at Awake is the opportunity to reflect on a talk right here, right now. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to cultivate space for us to have a discussion. What stood out to us? What challenged us? What did I hate? What did I love? How can I live into this? Is it possible? Some of the questions we'll be talking about. And so could I have some of our leaders stand up? We're going to have a handful of student leaders around the building that are just going to help facilitate this reflection. You're not signing up for a semester-long small group or anything. This is just a, a time to reflect on what was just shared. And so in a minute, I'm going to invite you all to grab a friend and join a group. Spend 10, 15 minutes reflecting. If this is your first time and this is all real confusing to you, we got Bailey Weir back there, and he would love to talk with you more, point you in a direction. Um, let's, uh, let's discuss pregnant faith. Thank you.